Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Sidgwick <sighs> from What Culture, to discuss everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, Roundtable discussions and a roundup of the week, complete with a bleeding quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to discuss last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. And unfortunately, after several weeks of well, really great program. No, dear, that's wrong. Pretty decent program. No, dear, that's wrong. A, a way to spend three hours. Yay! <laughs> it all fell to pieces last night, didn't it, Sidge? I'm going to become the fucking Joker. <laughs> If this show doesn't improve, and it won't, so that's my future. What was the term you used on Twitter? Insipid. That was great this Insipid. morning. Insipid. It's just... Uh, the Mega fans will be fine with me referencing your Twitter game, won't they? Absolutely. They yeah. will forgive you. They will forgive you. I mean, I'm just... Uh, the worst thing about this show is, like, I have work dread in my dream job because this show is so bad. I've had an epiphany, and it's quite a strikingly bad one. Um... I'm pretty certain I've run out of ways to bury it. I no longer have the appetite to bury it. There are no words left to bury it. There are no insights left. There are no jokes left. This show is just some content, like, casually produced, lazily produced. Ah, I don't know what else to say. You often say that I'm probably the most optimistic out of the three of us normally when we were when we talk about... Uh, even Hamlet, who's a big-time... He's a very loyal guy in general. This mm. is a guy who will travel nationwide to see the cribs. Like he just he's a very loyal guy. I admire that greatly about him. He persisted with WWE. He's clever, very clever. He knows it's not great, but he still gets some personal enjoyment out of it because it's just his thing. Even he's like, this is all bad. Mm. All of it. Yeah, I I I think that I'm genuinely quite positive a lot of the time about Raw. Like I have enjoyed the last few weeks. And by that, talk about grading on a curve yes. here. By that, I mean, I get to the end of watching Raw on double speed. Let's not forget that. In the early hours of Tuesday morning. And I go, there are worse ways to spend my time. That cannot apply to this episode. My my anticipation and hope for Monday Night Raw, some might say, has been whittled away. 
We've got to give an apology to Brian Alvarez before we do anything here. Indeed. We're in love with his bit um, on his Fastlane 2017 podcast so, yeah. review. Like we're in love with We're big fans of Alvarez. Oh, yeah. we're huge fans he's of Alvarez. He's amazing. He, gets he got a, me back into wrestling, man. He gets a rep. And it's like he's not, he's right more often than he's not. But the truth I think I want to meet him more than I want to meet Meltzer. Genuinely. I party with them both because I'm hardcore. <laughs> no, genuinely, like I really like Alvarez. Got a great deal of time. I think he's incredibly entertaining. And even if you find his takes negative or whatever, he's phenomenal at his job. And he does this bit on the review. Whittled away. <laughs> we thought it was frittered away. But I think that's probably just from my impressions of Kevin Patrick. <laughs> So apologies to Brian Alvarez. Basically, what we're doing here is trying to talk about anything other than Monday Night Raw. So anyway, uh, the show started. Drew McIntyre came out and welcomed us too. I thought I was in a good mood at the start. He said it, and I was like, he said the thing. Uh, he came out. Uh, he said uh, he had his sword with him, of course. It was appropriate to be a warrior, kicking off Raw in the hometown of the Warriors. Uh, he ran through some of the matches that have got coming up at Crown Jewel, including him facing, of course, Big E for the WWE Championship. And he said, look, I know my time on Raw is counting down, but I want to go to SmackDown as champion. He's about to tell the story when Big E's music hit and they referenced the fact that Big E did those phenomenal intros for the Fury Wilder 3 fight. Uh, Big E comes down, he says, look, I understand why you want to regain this belt. Uh, I, I myself have felt the sweet nectar of the championship drip down my chin betwixt my nipples. Only Big E can say stuff like that. Uh, he said, look, you're not going to win the title from me. You can either get off the train tracks or get run right over. And McIntyre says, look, do you remember how excited you were? Do you remember how excited the fans were when you cashed in, when you won that WWE championship? Well, I was WWE champion. I was champion for nearly oh, over 300 days, but I never got that, which I did feel a little bit sorry for him as he yeah. referenced that. Um, look, he's been a two-time champion, and he's going to become another one at Crown Jewel. There's nothing Big E can do about it. When who should interrupt but the Usos? What on earth are you doing here, first of all? You don't go to this show. What was the draft all about? Yeah, it's bloody pointless. They come out. They are excited to see this potential fight with Big E and Mac. Uh, McIntyre, Jay's got his money on Big E, Jimmy's got his money on McIntyre, but they say it doesn't really matter because let's be honest, look, we all know that Roman is going to be Brock at Crown Jewel, retain the Universal Championship. We just want to know who's next for Reigns at Survivor Series. Is it going to be Big E? Is it going to be McIntyre? But again, that doesn't matter because he's, he's probably going to take the WWE Championship in the end. He's going to add that to his trophy case. They go to leave. Big E stops them. Goes to speak for both of them, that being he and Drew. Drew says, you know, speak for me, pal. Bit of friction there already. Uh, but there's a challenge laid down for a match for the main event of the evening. And the Usos accept. Uh, but in the midst of all this, there's a bit of back and forth with Big E and Drew. That allows the Usos to sneak attack them and lay them both out with super kicks before they head off to get ready for the main event. Nice of them to book that. Raw is an automatically bad show because of segments like this, even if the verbals here were really not that bad by yeah. um, WWE scripted standards. And I suspect it's because Drew McIntyre and Big E both have a little bit of latitude. Even if this was scripted word for word, broken clocks right twice a day, because mm -hmm. I thought Drew's character motivations were fine. He did, in fact, like the contrast he um, put forward between Big E's celebration and his 
genuinely like layered this with mm. a little bit of like it's decent babyface versus babyface storytelling. You could enjoy one and feel sympathy for the other. Um, Biggie's irreverent patter was quite amusing. Mm. I just was waiting for the interruption. I couldn't get hooked into their story or the dynamic or whatever because I was waiting for the interruption. Here's the interruption. We called it yesterday on the preview. Yeah, yeah exactly. You just knew they were going to fuel this can they coexist rivalry, which is <sighs> going to become the Joker. And they did actually have a main event booked for the evening. So there's something that had the Usos not conveniently arrived to interrupt the segment, then yes, they could have credibly put Do draft the, versus shut up and shut up. <laughs> they could have credibly put the women's tag team match in the main event slot, but it wouldn't have been a good main event, would it? No. Willborn. You said it was gonna be a match of the air candidate yesterday. I hope you feel ashamed. I said on paper it had the potential to but be the a paper's match. The paper's got a WWE watermark on it. Fair point, yeah. And also, I also like the fact that when we get to it, I'll obviously talk about the atrocious way that match was put together and booked and concluded. And that, you know, that awful finish. And I went, well, yeah, to be fair, that couldn't have been the main event because they couldn't send home fans with that. And then it happened again in the main event. Anyway, we'll talk about it later because uh, we have a King of the Ring match to look forward to next. Uh, it is Xavier Woods versus Ricochet. Beforehand, uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston are confronted by Kevin Patrick uh, at the curtain, asking about oh, the potential for facing each other in the King of the Ring. Also neglecting to mention that one of their best mates has just been laid out in the ring, but never mind all that. We've got to talk they about They didn't really care. Yeah, who bollocks? Who cares? Uh, anyway, these two work sensationally together. Of course they do. It's Xavier Woods and Ricochet. We start off quite early on with Ricochet hitting a picture-perfect-looking superplex to take us into the ad break. When we come back, Ricochet's in control. Woods drops him over the top rope. Sort of akin to that Nyla Rose knee that she hit, hits Ricochet. He's draped over the top rope, and uh, Woods comes off the top, does a double foot stomp on him, hits a diving leg drop, gets a two count, gets a, another two count off a gut buster, goes to the outside after Ricochet hits him with a Death Valley driver, and uh, Ricochet just nails him with a couple of Darby Allen-esque dives, putting all of his body into it, but on the third time, Woods has recognised what's coming, he gets out of the way, hoys him into the barricade, gets him back in the ring, diving elbow drop, one, two, three, Xavier Woods advances, and we are one step away from the match we talked about, what potential they have, Xavier Woods versus Kofi Kingston, friend versus friend, with the king of the ring on the line, we're one match away from it, what did you think of this match though? It was really well worked. Um, again, the backdrop of these WWE crowds, they just don't get into this genre. Um, part of the reason why I expect is because it's been so heavily diluted over the years since they kind of half-heartedly embraced, quote-unquote, indie-style wrestling. Um, by WWE standards, this was electrifying, but yeah. unfortunately that means rubbing two sticks together to create fire. And by the time they'd really worked hard to rub those sticks together and got a little flicker of flame, it kind of ended without the crowd being taken on the thrill ride because Ricochet is nothing in this company. The fans On his don't... birthday, too. Really? Yeah. Of course. But of course. Yeah, <laughs> by the time, like, Ricochet does his cool stuff, the fans just begin to start caring. Like, the booking infects the matches. The end. Right, we go backstage. Randy Orton's there. Matt Riddle comes in, or Riddle comes in. And says, uh, Randy, guess who challenged uh, almost to a match tonight? And Orton realises that 
You know, he had this really clever plan last week to bait all, almost into a match so he could sneak attack AJ Styles. And Riddle's just done the same again. And he said, well, that's not, not going to work this time, is it? Because they know what's coming. Anyway, Riddle's trying to say he's uh, following Orton's example from last week. He sees Orton as a mentor. There's some daddy snake bollocks and some talking about matching gear and whatever. Orton's having none of this, basically. Uh, Riddle says, oh, no plan, is it? I, I see where you're going. Well, I'll see you out there with no plan. And he concludes by saying, I'll see you out there, Andy. <laughs> it must be, it, I was about to say, it must be a nightmare coming into work each week and being <laughs> stuck with this idiotic, weird-voiced banter hound. And you sympathize with Randy Orton somewhat, Sage? For the first time ever, yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, should we move on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> it's time for Mustafa Ali and Mansoor to take on Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin in a very brief match. Uh, it all breaks down. Mansoor's fighting on the outside with Shelton Benjamin. And out of nowhere, uh, Cedric Alexander hits Ali with the Mishinoku driver. Mansoor can't get in to break up the pin. Ali gets pinned. One, two, three. Post-match, Mansoor goes to help him up, and Ali shoves him away. And uh, Well, we'll get to more on this later on, but it looks like the end of this tag team. As this happened, I thought, why on earth didn't we see this coming in terms of they need a match for Crown Jewel for Mansoor to be in, and they are nowhere near the tag titles. I feel so stupid sometimes. That is the most obvious bit of WWE booking where we're heading with this. I mean, I guess, but I haven't booked it particularly well. Like, I'll never recall their win-loss record as long as the Live Long Day. I th- vaguely recall that they won flukily on occasion. Latterly, they've just lost within one minute or two minutes or three minutes or four at a max. And it's not as if there's any emotional heft to this. It's not as if Mansoor, too eager to please, has put on the face and peril sell job of a lifetime and just took it a little bit too far in a desperate bid to prove himself after like four minutes of exquisite, gorgeous, emotive selling. And then and Ali's like, oh, if you'd have just tagged me in. Mm. I mean, they're just two geeks who lose, so there's no heft <laughs> to any of this. Um... Right, let's move over to the Queen's Crown Tournament. It's Dana Brooke versus Jesus Shayna Baszler. Christ. Uh, this is another brief one. Got sort of a theme here with this Queen Crown Tournament from WWE. Uh, there was more of Corey Graves shooting on Dana Brooke, but her this time getting a slight bit of offense in and then making sure Corey noted what she was doing. But yes, it's Shayna Baszler dominating Dana Brooke, sending her into the corner. Uh, there was a nice spot where... Dana Brooke went for some something in the corner where she like leapt into it and just immediately got locked in the Kirafuda clutch. That would have been a nice finish, but uh, actually the finish was Baszler hitting a knee out of nowhere. One, two, three. She goes to attack Dana Brooke afterwards, but the referee quickly breaks it up as we are in replay. Shayna Baszler advances. No great surprise here. Uh, no. no. Like, I've seen worse Dana Brooke matches, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Certain like pinning combinations and reversals were somewhat fluid. Like, I... I don't think I'll ever bury Dana Brooke as long as I live. Like, I think I feel sorry for her. Um, I think she's got an incredible work ethic applied to the wrong medium. And this really wasn't... She just embarrassed herself on occasion this year. This truly wasn't that at all. But well, what can you do in a minute and a bit? Like, 
Charlotte Flair's cutting a promo backstage. She doesn't care about this tournament. She doesn't, who cares about Shayna Baszler? Well, who, well, who cares? Yeah, who could possibly care about this tournament? Like, why say that out loud? Uh, she says she's t- uh, tonight she's in a match with a bunch of women who can't walk the walk. She's the greatest ever, and she's going to win both title belts and meld them together, basically. Cool. So we get Riddle versus Omos. Riddle gets on the mic. He says... He's been thinking a lot lately. Something he does he does quite quite regularly, actually. Uh, he talks about Brogert. Uh, he stops almost from coming to attack him. He says, "Look, you've clearly been on the bro team." He forgets what he was saying. He uh, says, "Oh yeah, and I suppose that happens to everyone at some point." And then out of nowhere, he shouts, "Okay, Randy, now!" Nothing happens because, of course, he says, "Oh, sorry." I've just realized I didn't say the the, mass, uh, the special code word. And he sings Orton's theme and he says, well, that's not one word. And I genuinely don't know what code word he said. I've written... I, hey. tuned, I tuned out of the first recap video, so <laughs> I, I can't help you. I've written Peter down, but I have no idea what he said. He said something, but I rewound it like two times and went, oh, I can't be bothered with this. Anyway, AJ Styles brilliantly turns the crowd because he says... What are you bloody talking about, basically? He's frustrated. Uh, he doesn't care what he's been saying before. Uh, <laughs> he says, look, the people of San Francisco don't deserve this, even though they are dumb idiots, and they all go, oh, you git. Uh, and he tells the referee to start the match, which, of course, Big Jord dominates. Uh, yes, Riddle dies to the outside to get rid of AJ, attack him, but almost pulls him inside, corner splash, choke slam. He's got him beat. And then... <laughs> Some reason, Stars gets on the mic and says, "Ah, no! Let's show these people what you've been learning. Let's show them some karate or something. Hit him with a roundhouse kick." So he <laughs> he kicks him in the head. They show a replay. They show a slow mo replay. The crowd are like, "Get to the RKO for Christ's sake!" Almost hits the tree slam. Foot on the chest. One, two, three. Stars goes right. Get out of the way. I'm I'm gonna kill him now. Gets him. Uh, as that happens, Orton's music hits, and they do the old, oh, he's coming, he's coming. And then Styles goes, oh, wait a second, maybe he's going to come from, from behind, from the crowd. So he sends almost to the outside. We never see where Riddle actually, where uh, Randy actually comes from, but he slides in, RKO out of nowhere, and him and Riddle celebrate on the ramp. This was nothing. Oh, oh, this is phenomenally bad. Like, the only thing I've got left for this promotion, genuinely, is the odd pay-per-view match. That's good. Mostly total schadenfreude. And I mean, um, this was hilariously bad, and I still didn't find it fa- that funny, which is probably the biggest indictment I can whack across this absolutely awful Monday Night Raw show. Like, Riddle is, they haven't been able to book a babyface since John Cena. Like, at all. In brief flickers, whether it's like Kofi Punk, Brian, Becky, it never ends. Never really ends up in anything meaningful. In Riddle, they book a guy. They come across something of a epiphany slash masterstroke where it's like, well, if we make them geeks accidentally, what if we do it on purpose and have no pretensions of them being cool a la Seth Rollins in 2019? So they stumbled arse backwards into something with uh, Riddle where he's just a total geek on purpose. And fans kind of identified, were going, ah, when, like, Randy was threatening to not reconcile with him and all the rest of it. 
in this segment, literally everyone in this arena thought he was a total geek. Yeah. They didn't go for his stupid shtick at all. Like, it was total rat pissing on cotton stuff, this. And he looked like an idiot. He looked like an unfunny loser. He looked like a total geek. They really like the absolutely massive hoss stood opposite him, much more than him. The comedic timing wasn't that bad, but no one bit on it, so it couldn't have been that good. Yeah, comedic timing means nothing if there's no comedy behind it. Yeah, that's a great point. So you kill the guy's one sort of, like, I loathe to call it charm, but it was getting over to a degree. So they kill that dead. <laughs> they kill him in this match. He gets the full Undertaker versus Kurt Angle at fully loaded 2000 treatment. Nope, not done with you yet. Uh, he's dead. Then they bring him back to life just to kill him again. He's completely dead. His in-ring aura is killed throughout the segment. So he's... Former UFC fighter. Yeah. So he's bad physically in the segment. Eventually, Randy Orton comes out and he batters AJ Styles in this segment. It's literally 50-50 in terms of the tag teams and the one member of each gets like physically bad. And then the babyface team, as if Riddle needs any help looking more moronic, celebrates as if this hasn't just been 50-50 before the match. I was, I was, sometimes things happen on the show that are so stupid that I have to, and I hate them for this, I have to rewind it just to double check I've not missed anything. It's like, well, this is as stupid as I thought. It is. Yeah, you don't need to rewind it, trust me. No, I should just, yeah. Um, so Biggie and McIntyre, they're backstage after what happened uh, at the opening of the show. Lovely, another recap. Save a bit of time on a Tuesday morning. Love all that stuff. Um, McIntyre confronts Biggie. He says, it's his fault, basically. Look, and uh, Biggie says, we're going to beat each other. We're going to we're gonna brawl. We're going to go to war at Crown Jewel. But we need to be concerned about the Usos tonight. And McIntyre changes his mind. He agrees. He says, let's work together. You know, these guys, they've got to probably ask Reigns for permission to wipe their asses. So let's uh, let's batter him. Let's batter him tonight. For one night only, they're going to let bygones be bygones. Big E talks about Drew's nipples briefly. And then they do the old, yeah, mega power handshake, which is still a boy popper for me for some reason. I thought, oh, maybe this will be all right. It wasn't, but... I just love a good mega power handshake because you've all done it with your mates on a night out, haven't you? Me and Hamlet literally did a running bit at the 2019, I think, Christmas party where just like total marks, just besotted with professional wrestling, even during the social bit with the game and in the TV and the film lot. It's going, they did about 100 times like a couple of tit. <laughs> Uh, right, Lassley comes out uh, and quite rightly actually points out that Goldberg, father, Hall of Famer, all that, plainly confessed to wanting to murder someone in previous promos. He says, it's not really befitting behavior, that of a WWE superstar or all the other things that I've mentioned. He said, look, I'm a well-dressed champion. I defended my title all year and Goldberg showed up in cut-off sleeves, making death threats and frothing at the mouth. He said, look, he's a dog that needs to be put down. He's going to end Goldberg's career. You can't stop the Almighty. You can't beat the Almighty, and it certainly can't kill the Almighty. Not his best promo. No. If I'm being honest, like, and that's fine. He had a great mouthpiece who's, you know, he 
can't be on television for whatever reason. Look, strict analysis. Did this hype you up on the match that it functioned to build? No, because I'm deathly afraid of the fact that Goldberg is going to make very ironic his promise to kill Lashley through his um, aging incompetence. <laughs> Uh, Sasha Banks cuts a promo. Uh, she says she doesn't want to hear about Bianca Belair. She is a blueprint of greatness, and she's going to beat Charlotte and then win the SmackDown Women's title at Crown Jewel. In amongst all this, by the way, if someone... By the way. By the way. <laughs> do you know what it is? Is I was getting ready to potentially do some sort of accent for Chucky because we got some LTST here Yay! for the fans. I'm a Chucky in WCW. I, don't, I really hope he shows up tonight to see Brian But yeah, Chucky cut a promo about how often they didn't watch wrestling and they just went to commercials on Monday Night Raw. I don't know. Would you see this? What was going on here? Well, no. And I heard about it after the fact because I was watching on... Um, and um, <laughs> legitimately, I thought they just hadn't cut out the ads. I thought that for a split second, but no, apparently not. Another Chucky film or TV series or some bollocks. Who cares? Anyway, should we move on? Always. It's Jeff Hardy versus Austin Theory next. And uh, in the midst of this, again, very brief match, I like wrestling getting in the way of this TV show. Uh, I think Theory's got Hardy in a, some sort of chin lock, some sort of rest holds. When all the 24-7 geeks come in, Reginald flips over Theory, they all run through and then rush out, and Reginald's again still doesn't get pinned. He must be like one of the longest reigning champs now because he never gets pinned. He just sort of gets out of dodge, basically. Anyway, this all distracts Theory. That allows Hardy to hit him with a twist of fate. Uh, but as he comes off the top with the swan top arm, Theory gets out of it. Schoolboys him, holds the tights. One, two, three. Austin Theory again. Gets the upper hand on Jeff Hardy. At least I, I was, was panicking for a split second they were going to beat him on his second week on Raw, to be honest. That's the most praise I've seen reserved for this match. I thought they were going to carry and cross him. That's Karrion Cross, by the way. Uh, he's, uh, Scott's coming back soon, apparently. That's what Andy told me on the news yesterday. So they are just keeping him warm. Cool. Um, I've got no thoughts. The match was too short. See how many. I mean, by too short, I mean mercifully short. I mean, it's not to talk about it. Oh, yes. Reggie's second in the rankings now. 85 combined days uh, as. Oh, he's only had one reign, to be fair, as 24 7 champion. Quite a way off our truths. 425 days as 24 7 champion. I genuinely didn't realize it had been going that long, but yeah. yeah the revival had it for a bit. Anyway, let's move on. Um. What came next? Oh, a promo from Bianca Belair. Uh, she talks about beating Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. She won't forget what Becky Lynch did to her at SummerSlam, though. But Belair said she doesn't have to cheat to win. She's going to knock Becky Lynch down to Becky No Belts when they get to Crown Jewel. Uh, and she says, I go here now. Which apparently wasn't told to anyone making that graphic when they were like, look who we got in the draft, because she wasn't on it. Well done, WWE's graphics department again. Um, I've... Tuned out of what you said because the show's so boring. I'm sure it wasn't that important. Yeah, fine. Uh, because Kofi versus Jinder came next. Again, Kevin Patrick's at Gorilla. Uh, he's asking, you know, if Kingston wins this, you two are going to face off next week. And I thought, yes, that's the beauty of it. It's going to be great. We got really hyped up about it. 
Oh my God, we're like, what, nine minutes away from, from Kofi Kingston? Obviously beating Jinder Mahal. I mean, he's not going to have Shanky and Veer, their Jinder's heavies, because they can't be, because they're on different shows now, so that's not going to be a problem. And it's Jinder Mahal, Bish Bash Bosh, Kofi, see in the semifinals. So let's see what happened on this match. Uh, Mahal takes him down, stomps him away in the corner, but Kofi Horikamranas him to the floor. He does that trust fall off the middle rope uh, to drop him again as we go to a break, and I think, well, once we come back from this break, it's all Kofi, baby. And it's going to be Kofi winning. And then uh, him and Xavier are going to do the old, put up your dukes. We're going to face each other next week. Uh, Kofi hit the SOS, sort of landed on his own head because Jinder doesn't know how to take any wrestling moves still, probably. Uh, he goes for the trouble in Paradise or sets up for it. And there's a big brawl on the outside. Shanky and Veer. There, there. Xavier Woods flies into to Shanky, but Veer lays out Xavier Woods. <sighs> And this distracts Kofi Kingston, who I think goes for a top rope axe handle or something. Doesn't matter. Jinder Mahal catches him. He hits him with the class. One, two, three. Jinder Mahal advances. He will face Xavier Woods in the semi-final. <sighs> this broke me. I've been broken for years. Mm. Devastated. Why? Why? You've already shown in the women's queen of the ring, whatever pissing calling it, that there is no problem with having a heel versus a heel or a face versus face. You don't have to have the heel baby face dynamic in this tournament. So why not give the fans just something, right, in Kofi versus Xavier? Because look at... You don't fantasy book WWE very often unless they absolutely beg you. And even you went, oh, yeah, you could have some fun with that. You could have all, you know, they start off, it's just a, a handshake and a, and a back and forth, and then maybe one of them grabs the tights a little bit or gets caught with their hand on the ropes or whatever. No, it's going to be Jinder versus Xavier, and probably Jinder's going to piss and win because WWE hates good things. We don't understand, Wilborn. A heel in WWE isn't like a love-to-hate figure who entertains you and provides you a little bit of catharsis when they eventually get beat. A heel not, is not meant to play their part in something that gives you happiness. They are meant to deprive you of something that would theoretically make you happy. The worst thing about WWE, it would be so much better if they were just wildly incompetent. They've just got enough of a shred of awareness and competency that they recognize that which fans do want and just... Cruelly deprive you of it. <laughs> but the idea is you're meant to hate gender, and it never works like that. No. No. In fact, because of this particular result, I'm now thinking that gender beats Xavier, with the idea being that gender being the guy who dreams of winning this meaningless tournament, just give it to him. Yeah. Make, make a really loyal, great wrestler happy and his fan base happy, and just make fans happy. Because you're not going to do anything with the winner. You're going to give him a crown? You're going to give him a crown. Like, Xavier Woods has been specifically positioned in this tournament because they, again, are just aware slash competent or, you know, not completely idiotic enough to realize, oh, people want Xavier to win this. Well, if Jinder beats him en route to winning it himself, that's heat. Like, that's, what they, that's what they do. Like I've said before, cause, I mean, I know he cares about it and I like him enough, but, like, to set you booted thing that hasn't meant anything in years <laughs> right Becky Lynch uh, is the match was not good by the way and it's not just that botch like Jinder actively is bad yes a very awkward professional wrestler very basic 
He's a basic bitch. Considering how long he's been basic, he shouldn't be botching as much as he does. No. Or being as awkward as often as he is. Like, we talked about this on the Dynamite review. The most deflating botch possible. This absolutely incredible ripper of an eight-man tag. And because he was so invested, when the botch arrives, that the Chisora's power bomb. Like, you can understand that botch because the ambition of the match is so much and it's so convoluted and it's so well-paced, so much action that, Christ, it's going to catch up with them. It's a deflating but understandable botch. Like, Jinder, it's like botching parboiling potatoes. <laughs> you know what I mean? All you have to do is wait for the bubbles to go aka and then, right, six minutes? Mm. I, how often do you parboil them for? I usually... Of a risky uh, customer, like Definitely. I usually go about seven or eight instead of the r- regulation five. Yeah, I was gonna say six. I go seven or eight, like I go just on the edge of it turning into. I mash. say I and Louise because I'm just a mess in the kitchen. Yeah, I usually go seven, eight if I'm feeling a little bit brave because then you just get the fluff and then you have to be super quick with your hands that have to be callous to try and whip them around the hot oil and boom, those potato city. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Back to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> Uh, Becky Lynch, uh, it's her turn to cut a promo. She said uh, she didn't have much to say, despite the fact that she talks a lot. Uh, um, she's already beaten all of them. She was five steps ahead of everyone. 
She compared Charlotte to piss, I think, and talked about Banks going home and crying a lot, basically. Cool. Um, should we get to the match? Yeah. Well, WWE didn't, so anyway. So they we go out there. It's, like I said, it's uh, Charlotte and Becky, Bianca and Sasha and the team. Uh, and we previewed this yesterday saying, can they get along? We all know it's WWE, so they won't. And we just basically anticipated a finish where maybe Charlotte walks out. Someone walks out on their partner, and then you can pin one of them because, yeah, your numbers game, no one loses anything, and wins and losses don't matter in WWE, so you don't really need to protect them. Well, that's not what happened. Um, initially, it was a bit entertaining, I will say that, in terms of the, the dynamic between Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, two sensationally talented women who've got a history, who both want to start off the match, who are, I mean, Banks is yanking Belair back by her hair and going, I'll be starting this pissing match, and Bianca Belair's like, no, no, I'll start this match. I want to kick the crap out of whoever it is, Becky, who's in the ring, or whatever it was. A huge brawl breaks, breaks out. All four women uh, are brawling. Uh, rubbish as well. Yeah, in the ring, around ringside. Referees come out to try and separate things. Charlotte goes up top, goes to the moonsault, but uh, that doesn't happen in the end. What actually happens is Belair... Hoys Banks onto uh, the rest of them and out come Postman Pierce and Sonia Seville to shout a lot on the microphone and say, I'm not having this. This match is happening. And when we come back from the break, it is happening. They're back. They are, to a certain extent, coexisting. But it plays out in the match as you suspect it would. You've got Charlotte in control and then Becky blind tags herself in. You've got Sasha working the arm, and they do have a bit of a relationship, her and Bianca. They tag in, continue the arm work. Sasha tags back in. She works the arm. Uh, Sasha slaps Bianca on the shoulder because it's it's tags. It's not just going to be the old classic friendly slapping of hands here. So later on, Becky shoves Sasha into Bianca, but Bianca sends her over the top rope. She hits a suplex to Becky, hits another suplex because, again, she's... Brilliant in between the ropes. She hits the rope. She hits a splash uh, to Becky. But in the midst of all this, I think Sasha's got tagged. Regardless, she sends Bianca to the outside. Um, She goes to the bank statement. Becky escapes. Becky tries to put her in the disarmor. Charlotte gets a tag. Becky hits a clothesline. Charlotte says, piss off out my ring to Becky. We've seen this story a million times. Um, but in the midst of all this, Sasha's recovered. She gets a backstabber on Charlotte. Becky's still in there. She starts fighting with Sasha. She goes for a backstabber, uh, but Bianca's there to pull Sasha off Becky. They all brawl, and then for no apparent reason, the bell stop- bell rings because the referee's lost control. Um, and it's all really not about who wins the match. It's about who stands tall, Sige, because Becky goes for the disarmor on Bianca Belair, but Bianca Belair, again, showcases this insane strength of hers. Picks her up. She wants the KOD, but Becky's holding onto the ropes. Backstabber from Sasha Banks. Becky kicks her. Sasha turns around. Elbow from Becky. Sasha's reversing an attempt at the manhandle slam. She goes for a backstabber. Becky holds onto the ropes again. Manhandle slam. In the midst of all this, Charlotte's just left. And Becky Lynch stands tall as if we could possibly care when this piece of crap has played out in front of our eyes. Uh, this is worse than awful. Like, you've got you're a very optimistic guy. And I like for a bit to, you know, piss on that. 
you said potential match of the year candidate under the right circumstances, with the right build, with emotional investment, with a lot of long-term patience, where all that matters, they could have a WWE, let's asterisk that one right now, they could have a WWE match of the year. I'd say, like, I can't really deny that if the situation and the circumstances were right. This was a wildly awful, yet another wildly awful thing involving Becky Lynch's WWE return, by the way. What an absolute rubbish waste of time it's been. Like, no finishes, nothing matters. They don't want to beat anyone, so don't put them in matches where they can get beat, just book angles and promos instead. Like, be a wrestling company, not this drivel. Um, the, the actual brawling component of all of this was absolutely rubbish. And this is worse than terrible because it's not just meaningless. We're going to give you a great match that looks great on paper. We're not going to give you it really because we don't really give you anything. We're total cornies to the goddamn bone. Like, I can't recall a similar dynamic with men. At least men get to wrestle before they do their rubbish coexistent thing. Like, this was laid out by a man. Look at it in the main event. Like, yeah. it's an awful, awful ending again, but at least we got a match for the most part. This was so obviously laid out by a man under the idea that all women secretly despise each other. Or <laughs> women just want to talk a lot of blathering crap and all hate each other. And, you know, they're so hysterical that they can't even perform their jobs. Really, they should just be in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, laid out by a man. The actual brawling component was rubbish. Um, I, I said this on the news. I genuinely don't know how they've got these three women, who I said at the time, when you set it up at whenever it was, oh, yeah, SummerSlam. I was like, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch. I didn't think about the pissing draft, because no one does. I was like, these three women, or combination of combinations of these three women, or just, you know, maybe even hot potato in the belt, they should get you to the Royal Rumble. They've run out of steam, and they haven't even got to pissing Crown Jewel yet. And I doubt that match is hardly going to be a classic, is it? Oh, yeah. It's going to reek. Oh, right. I need a palate cleanser. Dewdrop versus Natalia. Skip. Absolutely skip this. Skip, skip, skip. It's not just because it's Natalia. And actually, I will say this before we do the skip. I know skip means skip. I know. What was the finish to this match? What what was the what a maneuver? What was the maneuver that Natalia was trying to do when she got rolled up and put in a small package? What was the maneuver? I can't. I don't remember. It was a sharpshooter. It was a sharpshooter. I punched the air for this, but we're skipping it because it was crap. It was barely given any time. Yes. Uh, do it. Yes I've done, done the thing. I've done the thing. That's and Dewdrop Dewdrop said the words "Yas Queen." Piss off! Uh, right. I, I will do this, okay? Sorry. I apologise. I got carried away. It's like three... Four, I'll skip the main event now. In it's all, a waste of time. Enough of that. It's now time for this. It's short. It's crap. It's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! Uh. And... <laughs> This week's five-star review review is brought to you by Brett Waters. If you want your name associated, uh, you want to suggest a five-star review review, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling. Leave us a five-star review. This looks review. dangerously like a poem. It's not a poem, thankfully. Uh, I just, I'm looking, it looks like stanzas and I got scared. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, Brett Waters simply writes this. Let me set the scene. It's 2012. 
The product. Story time with Ben Waters, baby. <laughs> the, pro- the product could not be hotter. New talent shooting straight to the moon. Raw is about to change the world and move to three hours. Watch the Raw 1000 commercial behind the scenes. Siege, what was going on in 2012? Take us back there. 2012, I really liked it. Again, curves. Again, format reeked. Again, there was a sense of everything good about it was a sense of resistance. But this is a time when people actually cared. Punk was WWE champion. Punk was WWE champion. Um, Daniel Bryan, through sheer force of will and the fact that we all adored him, was really getting over. He was really getting profile. Um, we still had bollocks between those two men with Kane because he's always in there, like a win it. Like, he's a win-it of a wrestling performer is Kane. All that said... What's a win-it for people who may not be aware of it? It's a little bit of dried uh, shit that sticks to your arse. Right, I'm going to go to write down another bleep. There we go. But, again, there's no AEW. Realistically, at this point, the the New Japan Western expansion hasn't happened. It's infiltrating the, the consciousness of the, the Western wrestling fan through Tanahashi's legend and the rise of Okada. Um, but WWE, legitimately, I thought 2012 was one of their best years in its modern history. Like, you had Brock Lesnar coming back and really, really messing people up. Then it got boring with Triple H. But the John Cena stuff, he really messed them up. It was wild, hard way blood. Like, can he realistically be hitting people that hard? It was awesome. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan were further diversifying um, the... Very, very um, one-dimensional mm-hmm. WWE match style with their technical artistry at Over the Limit 2012. Um, the Shield were months were, uh, removed from debuting. Um, like John Cena and The Rock made it feel like really big time again after the exits of, like, the full-time exits of Batista, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, really start to make things get to a point where R-Truth had to headline a pay-per-view, like that sort of deal. That capital punishment, if I remember. Yeah. Genuinely, it felt like corners were being turned. Um, genuinely, the outcry for a punk or for a Brian, it genuinely felt, it's so naive in retrospect, but it genuinely felt, as far as the men go, they were still treating women like sex objects. Beavers, yeah. And the tag team divisions never happened since like the early 90s and the Attitude Era. It genuinely felt like, at least insofar as the men went, that change was so loudly and fiercely willed into existence in 2012 that this was it. This was the turning point. That's what it felt like. It felt like the turning point. And Raw 1000, of course, infamous. Great, great episode. CM Punk turns heel, rock, big show, all that sort of thing. Anyway, uh, Sige, you and I, I think, uh, I think it's fair to say, aficionados of, of comedy. We like things like Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm and stuff, so... You're going to like some of this comedy because uh, it's the telephone game, basically. Is it the main event after this? Pretty much. Good. Pretty much. Uh, so the Raw 1000 commercial, if you've forgotten, uh, you've got Vince on the phone. John seems walking past uh, and he says, John, make sure you let the talent know, you know, it's Raw 1000. We're doing a special, th- you know, three hours. Make sure everyone knows the show starts at eight. But you want to get, what? never guess what, Sage. Well, John seems has got his headphones in. So he, he hears something. He hears, right? But takes his headphone out to be like, but Vince, he's already moved on. Anyway, I'm back on the car, pal. So it's a telephone game. It's just, you know, he misheard it. So 
As people say, I've got to bring a date. Big Show's there, and he's like, I've got to lose weight. <laughs> and Kane's there going, what do you mean you got to bake a cake? It's really... Well, it's, looking at 2017, he baked a whole hell of a lot of cakes. <laughs> it's really funny, this. Okay. Um, thankfully, the Outside the Ring series has gone... I think this is something we really need to delve into the backstory of this 30-second telephone game commercial where the big joke is, great Carly's here to check Vince's bloody prostate, okay? What's your favourite um, Outside the Ring episode, other than this one, of course? Because I think, um, we'll say at the same time, three, two, one, the Miz getting his hair washed. Yeah, that's me and mine too. I yeah. can't remember any of this. No, it's just I just watched the opening video package, I'll cool. be honest. Uh, Punk doesn't want to go to Kuwait. <laughs> Bit racist. <laughs> you know why? Because it's full of goats. <laughs> um, he's, there's a funny bit with him asking whether asking the goats where the arena is. Why is he asking Daniel Bryan where the arena is? <sighs> I've written. <laughs> I've written. This hey, it's the head of the table. <laughs> the tribal chief Roman Reigns. That's good. I've written. This is the most basic wank ever. Okay. So. What I mean by that is the behind the scenes that we're seeing is people going, so I've got to f- face this way when I'm on the phone delivering my god-awful line. Um, and then we hear from Andrews Jenkins. Not Andrew Jenkins. Andrews Jenkins. He's the director. Uh, and he explains, thankfully, for the uh, idiots, there's a big misunderstanding. <laughs> Rob Schneider is telling everyone that Raw starts at eight. Rob Schneider is a telephone. <laughs> um, and we get to see some of the lines that, unfortunately, you know, were, either didn't make the cut or were simply too funny. Simply <laughs> too funny. Our truth. I have a match with the Secretary of State. Big Show. Why are we having a debate? Kofi. No, I think he said you're my new roommate. Hang on. It's the sound of a bomb of a barrel being scraped there, Sige. But um, my favourite bit of all this, and I'd actually... I've genuinely... got two, but come back to me. Okay, this. well, I think you're, you're going to jump on this as well, because I, I generally don't advise our listeners to go back and watch these clips because they're dreadful. Um, but the moment where the director is leaning past the camera... And you'll never guess, but it's AJ Lee in skimpy gear, and he's gone. <laughs> you know what I should say? <laughs> we all have to wear roller skates. <laughs> say roller skates. <laughs> I want to end this man's life when I saw this. You're perfect. I know exactly what you're thinking. I know what your depraved thoughts are, and you're trying to uh, realize your depraved thoughts with the most. Ah, voice partner of all time. This is a five-minute video, right? Kane's collated some papers. Our truth talking about Watergate, which was like quite a good line, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but Doug Chamberlain, the cinematographer, <laughs> he cuts to him and he goes, eight roller skates. He just lists words that rhyme, and it's just like, we got it, Doug. Thanks for that, brother. This. Kofi and Seamus, it cuts to them when uh, when the cameras aren't rolling. And uh, they look like they want to be literally anywhere else. They just are like, yeah, we're doing this thing where it's about some rhymes. And they're like, oh, things are going to be great. 
things are around with they the best thing is is like they are they know for a fact they are advertising the fact that their show is going to be ruined by going three hours yeah yeah it's like oh christ i have to work five extra minutes in every match everyone's going to get really bored i love this as well because some poor bastard has gone to the effort of because the scene is there in the like break room and they're having a cup of tea, and James is on the phone, and they hear, oh, we've got, we've got a bake a cake, or whatever it was. Someone's made Kofi coffee and Seamus's ginger tea. First of all, that offends me. Shut up. Second of all, what? Why? No one's going to go, five Easter eggs from the WWE advert that you didn't notice. Just, it's the most basic bollocks. My favourite bit, and I don't know if you'll get to it, so I'm just going to say it now, is that it cuts, like, it's interspersed with them, like, sort of talking about the process, and it cuts to AJ Lee, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I want to be advertising a three-hour Raw. Uh, I think it's getting lost in translation a bit. <laughs> just a really nice word of euphemism for this fucking rubbish, and it doesn't even make any sense. And the director's there at one point explaining what they're doing, and explaining the, the scene that the great Carly's in, where he walks in with Triple H to Trek Vince's prostate, and he pulls a face, and they do the snap of the glove. He explains the director, and Triple H goes, you do know he spoke, don't speak English, don't you? Fantastic. Um, AJ is also having flashbacks to when she was a secretary back in an office. Same with Kofi, he's flashing back to his office days. Our truths there, he's working out with little Jimmy. Okay. Uh, and uh, then they cut to the bit with the goats, and they're wandering around seeing Punk, and they're not playing ball. And the director goes, <laughs> still the best ones to work with. Die. Right. <laughs> what time is this? Uh, I'll wrap this up, Wilbur. Okay. Greg Holly, he, he can't work the glove. He, he, he can't work the glove. Sorry for my glove. <laughs> he keeps breaking when he, he can't put it on. And then they save the best line till last. I mean, it's just, yeah, again, even in these ridiculous fluff things, I'm sorry, Will Bourne, I knew you were for your big finale. No, it, see, I'm, no, this is the point, is they, their, their big line is, who's Nate? End. Like, I thought you meant to end on the big, huge pop. I was just like that. Oh, and that's the end of the minute video. Like, even in these little daft adverts that they are probably aware, even they're aware, oh, that's a bit rubbish, but yeah, it's fine. We'll just maybe do an advert. Like, even get an indication of this company's systemic incompetence. That, again, was always there in 2012. It mm -hmm. just didn't feel so apparent. Gimmick the glove for the great <laughs> Carly. Anyone got any powder? Anyone got any powder? Gimmick the glove. Like, get a bigger glove. He's got shovels for hands. Incompetence. Well, anyway, should we go to the comment section? Please do, because that gets us closer to uh, my dinner. <laughs> this does not reflect the views of myself, the Dally Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Yo, it's Lucy Q, right? Why are WWE superstars and divas so funny? <laughs> well, it's because you've got to get a collection of ex-Hollywood writers. Christopher Smith, uh, this is alluding to something we're going to come back to later on in these comments, Michael Sidgwick. Oh, I can't imagine having AJ as a secretary. <laughs> That would be bad for my marriage, lol. I'm trying to get a touch of my cat. <laughs> Gee, I love this. Uh, you know what I love? We comment sometimes. You know what I love? People think they've got a chance with AJ Lee. Yeah, yeah. I love is when people go, you know what I should have said? Like, think they, they, like someone's going to go, holy crap, there's this comedian in the comments. Cheese writes, Vicky Guerrero's on a date? Santino's going to be late? John Cena isn't great? Star. <laughs> so as I get uh, tracking down cheese, 
That was a big moment on the Tonight Show. Uh, <laughs> Max Power. Right, it's lol funniest commercial ever. P.S. <laughs> There's a bit with AJ Lee going, that's to say we got to hydrate. P.S. Why is the water in a cone? <laughs> why is the what? Water in a cone. Right, Wilbur, when you got jazz there, you got seriously jazz. And the guy commented about hydrating AJ Lee. Oh, I, no. I really thought you were going to talk about how he wanted to come on our face. <laughs> oh, then we'll get to something like that in a minute. Oh, cr- of course we will. It's YouTube. Farhad writes, wow, AJ six pack. Uh, and guys, where's the Miz? I don't see him. And then he writes in a reply, anyone answer me? <laughs> <laughs> Christ, I thought Hamlet liked the Miz more than that. Uh, right. <laughs> right, here we go. Prod monster. Prod monster. <laughs> right. <sighs> Just imagine writing this. AJ oh, <laughs> oh, must have some good looking parents. <laughs> I'll take all three because I'm hardcore. Uh, Franzil writes, wait a minute. AJ Lee wears bra. Boo, women wear bra. <laughs> You have to look to find that out. <laughs> Boo. Boo. Uh, an ugly mofo guy, 77, <laughs> writes, AJ Lee, the cure to being flaccid. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, doctor, give me the news. I've got the cure to being flaccid right here. It's AJ Lee, you creepy bitch. That's probably the director writing that when he says roller skates. Same hold of skates. Thanks to Brett Watts for that. You went to being flaccid. <laughs> oh, dear. More of those sorts of things, please. Uh, couldn't coexist in the main event. Follow me at him situation. <laughs> okay. Uh, we return to Monday Night Raw, where John Morrison is peacefully meditating backstage. <laughs> Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. walk up to him. Uh, he says he's trying to expand his mind because uh, there's a lot in there. And Nikki says, I'm glad you're following your dreams, John. And then Rhea says, hey, bloody hell, Nikki, you know what she's talk- he's bloody talking about? And Nikki says, oh, I've got no idea. And Austin Theory takes a selfie with Big E. That's, that's something else that happened at this point. Anything you want to say? Why is Big E taking a selfie with a guy who maybe doesn't watch the show because it's rubbish? <laughs> otherwise, uh, he'd, otherwise he'd know better. Right. Long-term story from the whole show getting paid off here. Kevin Patrick, he's chatting with Mansoor about what happened with Ali earlier. Uh, Ali just happens to be walking past. He calls Mansoor a giant waste of time. He says, look, you only want to dance. You only want to make friends. I had your back, but I should have told you the truth from day one. You are a loser. You are nothing. Walks off. Mansoor goes, well, I guess I'll have to talk to him later. And Ali goes, you clearly haven't got the point here. Beats him up, batters him down. Of course, Mustafa Ali, sensationally talented wrestler, crown jewel, week and a half away. We need someone in the mould of a Cesaro and a Dolph Ziggler to bump around for Mansoor so he can get a nice victory in Saudi Arabia. Here it is. Another tag team splits on Raw. Remember T-Boss tweeted. Oh, God. But um, it is the most obvious thing that we just haven't spotted before. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Who cares? All I can think about is how woefully miscast they are because Mansoor is playing 
an idiotic, oblivious geek. When in fact, he's actually quite funny at times. I know he's got bad stuff in his locker, but other things he's said, yeah, he comes across well. Ali, on the other hand, is like an incredible working baby face. And he's a heel. Like, oh God, just shut it down. Shut the whole operation down. Main event time. SmackDown champions, tag team champions, the Usos versus WWE champion Big E and Drew McIntyre. And Drew and E do coexist pretty well for a while. They even hit a non-New Jay version of the Unicorn Stampede. Uh, but the Usos recover, drive Big E into the steps. We go to a break. We come back. Jay misses the uh, hip attack. Big E suplexes him, brings in McIntyre. McIntyre goes wild. Jimmy gets a, an overhead suplex, a spine buster. Jay tags in that and uh, hits double super kicks. That gets a two count as well. McIntyre gives them both neck breakers. He goes to the corner, starts the three, two, one for the Claymore count. Now, but Big E, mirroring what happened last week, tags himself in, tells McIntyre to get out of the ring, but turns around into consecutive super kicks from Jey Uso. Jay, I think, comes off the top regardless. Big E counters something, but in the midst of doing this, knocks McIntyre off the apron. He gives Jay an STO, but... McIntyre, just furious with Big E knocking him off the apron. He pulls Big E out of the ring when he clearly has got the match won. They brawl. Somehow, uh, Drew, in the midst of all this, has got his head busted open. They brawl. The referee calls for the stoppage. Again, another non-finish in this goddamn night. The Usos recover. They take out both men with uh, dives. They are doing stuff around the tables, but Big E... Fight and, and Drew fight them off, and uh, as they eventually they recover to just being the two of them in the ring, Big E turns around into a Claymore to close the show. Did this need to go 15 minutes? Do I need to read on Twitter every two months when it resurfaces the whole... <laughs> Usos are better than the Young Bucks. Have, have you ever seen a Young Bucks match as boring as this? Ever? You have 15 minutes to work with, impress me, if you're that good. I thought this was really quite boring, really quite slow. Like, just total content obligation stretched out. And the storyline was so patronizing and so repetitive and so obvious. And it's so bad, in fact, that it kind of makes Big E look like a knob. Why do you tag yourself in? I guess it's revenge. Whatever. Whatever. Creatively bankrupt. I hate this promotion. The two big matches from this show didn't have a finish. No, no. What does? Occasionally pay-per-view matches. Uh, absolute waste of friggin' time. An absolute waste of friggin' time. Yeah, understandably buried across social media this show. Uh, the highlight of last night was seeing the Miz dress as a genie on Dancing with the Stars, if I'm perfectly honest. Awful raw. Right. Well, we'll be back to review it next week anyway. Maybe it will improve. Better bloody improve after this week. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll be previewing NXT 2.0 later on today and looking ahead, further ahead, to Survivor Series. Don't forget, uh, we are teaming up again with what our pals doing? at Top Rope Brewing. Are we doing another podcast today? We got the no. This is the, the Survivor Series thing with Top Rope Brewing. Don't you oh, worry. Cool. Yeah, you know, they got this fear in his eyes. No, the guys at Top Rope Brewing are celebrating. 
heard the thought beer, and I thought, well, that's going to help me get through it because their beers <laughs> are really, really nice. They are indeed. But is it worth talking about WWE? I would say yes. They are really, really good. Their sours in particular are excellent. They're great. They've, they've sent us some to the office, and, uh, well, they've all pretty much been claimed, to be perfectly honest, uh, as well. Uh, so ahead of Survivor Series, uh, looking ahead to it, uh, not only that, but celebrating five years of Top Rope Brewing. Uh, we've teamed up with them. Unfortunately, again, this is only for our UK listeners. We are looking to do something with them in the US going forward, though. Uh, if you want to get your hands on this brilliant Survivor Beeries box, uh, 12 craft beers, uh, 45 quid and free delivery, all you need to do is go onto Top Rope Brewing's site and put in the code Here's Why at checkout to get free delivery. Um, they are delicious, they're fantastic, and if you order them, uh, they will arrive more than uh, ready in time for Survivor Series. So go and check out Top Rope Brewing for that code here's why if you need it but anyway this has been the raw review my thanks to michael sidgwick thank you for joining us and we will see you soon hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.